This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Jamal and Martin. We're talking to the founder and CEO of Backstage Capital, Arlen Hamilton. Let's go. I met Arlen uh, last month in Miami at Black Tech Week. We were on a panel together, and I left with the impression that, wow, this is a real leader. You know, I've been around a lot of people, but I felt like uh, you have a lot of promising things ahead for you. Thank you. Uh, but thanks for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I want to start with, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, you were homeless at one point where you were really starting from the bottom. Can you talk about starting from the bottom? So I am 37 and for probably eight of those 16 adult years, I have been in some form or another without a home. So it wasn't that I just decided to become a venture capitalist and I was going to do anything I could to get there. And then I just, you know, put everything in storage and, and, you know, took that risk. It was, it was just my circumstances in general were already like that. And, um, but at the same time, I got the, that, that, the mission in me to, to start backstage. So what I've also learned in the last couple of years is that, um, somehow you have to justify what homeless means to certain people, right? And I certainly don't take away from um, from people's opinion of that, but I have never slept on the concrete out in the um, outside. I've never done that. And to a lot of people, that's like, oh, you're not homeless. But there is a hidden group of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, most of them are women and children, who sleep in cars and, you, and they go to work and you don't know that they slept in cars, who um, sleep in different um, facilities or, or places that, you know, kind of hide out and do that or are in shelters. And they are um, without an address. And so the, the most recent would have been uh, about a two year, about a year and a half stretch where I was with my mom, who was in her 60s, still is in her 60s, and we could not afford, we got kind of kicked out of our apartment that we had gotten together in Houston. Um, You know, and and again, that's like 34-year-old living with her mom, um, because because I was broke and she was broke, and I couldn't let her be broke on her own. That just wouldn't stand with me. So I was like, if she's going to go through that, and I'm going to go through it, we're going to go through that together, and I'm going to make sure she's, I can see that she's okay every night and every day. So it went from we had a place, we were good, and then we couldn't afford it anymore. And then we were, like, living day to day, and we would put together, because, you know, we were both working, and we would put together money, and we would stay in a motel. Um, and then, you know, in a room, and then and it got to the point where we just, we had some people along the way, a couple of people along the way helped us out, for sure. Um, so we had good times and bad times, but we got to a point where we just we just didn't know if we were going to eat that day. We didn't know where we were going to sleep that day, and it, was, it wasn't cute. And where was your dad uh, at this time? Oh, at this time, he was in Jackson, Mississippi, but we've never been close. He's passed since then, okay. but yeah. 
he was in he was in Jackson. We we've we've never been close. So, what's your academic background? Well, yeah. <laughs> mostly the hallways of high schools. Um, I so I w- I did not go to college. I went. I did a, a, a few courses at community college in Dallas, uh, where I grew up, and I had been um, accepted into a couple of colleges, and I was always in the accelerated courses, always in the honors class, always doing doing well academically in high school, junior high, all that. But I was also also always sent out of class for disrupting, for being too talkative, for asking too many questions, for being too, um, to be honest, for being too tall and black and a woman, basically. Yeah. Because I was five, six, or seven by the time I was 13, I think. And so I was always in my class until we really hit puberty. I was um, always the tallest person in the class and so taller than the guys, you know, and I was in a class, where, I was in classes where it was mostly, um, it was probably 30% black and Hispanic and 70% white, probably. And um, I was always getting kicked out of classes for, for asking too many questions and being aggressive. And I'm telling you, I'm asking questions like, um, can we dive deeper into a wrinkle in time in the fifth grade? Can we dive deeper because I don't understand this particular point? And I'm asking questions that are like beyond, but to the to the teachers, it's you're my same height, you're a black girl, and you're 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 getting more attention in this class than I am, and so that won't stand with me. So there were several people who who would kick me out. I spent a lot of time in the principal's office, and then I had a couple of teachers who were just who just got it and who were fantastic actually. Yeah, that leads into um, how would you explain your alpha or, you know, the distance that you have in terms of your success with launching uh, Backstage. Uh, you're now working on your third fund. Yes. Uh, but I know, you know, folks, uh, you know, they went to Ivy League schools. They're very safe. They have some type of, you know, financial institution experience but they haven't really been able to get to the point where you are today. Uh, so they have all the credentials. Mm. The establishment loves them. They're very black and safe. They fit into nice little boxes, but you don't see them out there doing anything like what you're doing in terms of touching so many of our people mm. uh, and backing uh, our founders. Like, How would you describe your spread against kind of the consensus out there that hasn't been able to, to do this. So you're you're specifically talking about black and brown folks who are yeah who are who, who've like, gone yeah, through. I want to be a, a successful yeah. angel investor. I want to yeah. be a successful VC. I think about that a lot because um, a lot of times people compare me to to white people. Like they compare me to well my struggle against a white man because that's what I do. That's what I talk mm-hmm. about all the time. And a lot of times they they do, they do miss out on that the fact that there are a lot of other black people who are in the space, but are kind of hidden figures, basically. I think it has to do with me having, like, when I'm in a group of black people, or have been historically, like even in school, I was still the odd person out. I've never been someone who, like, had a, had a tribe, had a clique, because I was always something different in that group, too. So I think, um, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of people who, who get in to different rooms and it's like you say it's safe and they don't want to lose that and sometimes people think it's a zero-sum game if they bring somebody in 
then they miss out or they lose their chance. Yeah, uh, you know, going back to uh, our experience uh, in Miami uh, at Black Tech Week, uh, you know, some of the, the black founders were asking, should they add a certain amount of uh, white executives to the team to, mm -hmm. to get a, uh, a fairer look? Uh, but, you know, what I notice is that a lot of people think that being safer and trying to fit into these boxes, they're going to be more successful that way. But when I look at you, you're like, hey, if you bring the real, you're bringing the real. That's how you're going to be successful. You're not going to be successful trying to be like everybody else and fit into boxes. That's it. That's 100 percent how I feel about it. That's, that's what I try to to get across to founders when they're rate fundraising. Yeah. Um, I don't want to stand on any kind of pedestal or anything, so I don't want to say that my way is the right way. But I do, I do see that a lot of people play it safe, and and maybe they have to. You know, they may yeah. have a situation where like they like the health insurance and they like, you know, knowing where they're going to be five years from now and what that what that ladder looks like for them, and they don't want to rock that boat. But as I said, and uh, I said this in a, a Black Enterprise about two years ago, I said I'm doing the bankhead bounce on the boat. I don't care. Like I don't, I don't. I care about I care about people and I care about what I'm doing and I take myself very I take what I'm doing very seriously. Yeah. But I don't care about making people uncomfortable because we have been uncomfortable for so long. Yeah, I see kind of, you know, folks who are, you know, looking to advance their career, looking to get companies off the ground, looking to get, you know, their venture capital operations off the ground. But they're still trying to fit into the existing box. You're creating your own box. What percentage of your capital for your three funds, dollar for dollar, comes from black investors? Yeah, let me. So we have about fifty investors. It's, it's it's a small it's a small pool of funds. So it's it's less than five million total. Um, top of my head, I would say percentage of dollars would probably be less than ten, and. But that is probably spread spread over more people per amount, if, if that makes sense. So the the check sizes are smaller from black and brown um, investors in our fund. But um, we try to get as many as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, dollar for dollar. How much of that statistic is uh, cultural versus uh, resources? We're you know, I'm thinking that some investors, hey, you know, I haven't had much exposure to an illiquid uh, asset mm -hmm. class. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, usually I want to hold on to my money tight. I won't want it to be liquid. But hey, to get, you know, outsized returns, usually, you know, illiquid assets are going to outperform mm -hmm. liquid assets. But do you feel like there's a cultural thing it's, going it's on It's a there? mixture. I mean, it's, it's nuanced because it's about, it's about, has to be about my network on top of all of that, like who I'm talking to, it's, I think it's a mixture. It's kind of like rate when you're raising um, friends and family. If you, if you try to raise friends and family, there are some people who would, but cannot. And those are the people who would, if they had it, they would, you know, and then there's some that can and will not. And they, I have experienced um, where, you know, there are people who's, who are accredited because you need to be accredited in order to do this, who are accredited and they, they look, you know, accredited means you make 200000 a year or you have a million dollars in assets. That's a lot of money to, that's a lot of money, but, but when you think about it, you have to take 
a tenth of that or, a t or I'm sorry, a, yeah, a tenth of that or a fifth of that and put that into one fund, that is difficult if that's, if you're just on the cusp of being accredited. So um, I think it's a, a, a lot of things. It's probably people not wanting to, to stick their neck out too much. I guess I'll put it like this. The people who write a check who are black to backstage, the people who write a check who are black, I'm not looking at the amount because I, I say to everything, I say to them what I say to everybody else, you should put in what you would put in to the next person. Like, don't make us a charity case. You should yeah. put us, that's how I look at it. So whatever that number is to them, that's how I look at it. But it's the ones who, who are kind of, you ever been on a Southwest flight? Yeah. You know how you have to pick your own seats. So you're sitting there, I get the window seat, and the first thing you do is kind of look down because you don't want anybody sitting in that middle seat next to you. you kind of look around, you look down, you don't, you, know, you don't want anybody sitting next to you, you want people to keep going, so, you know, and hopefully that, hopefully that flight isn't booked. That's what's happening a lot with black, with black investors to me. I, they are not, they are, they are like clapping on the sidelines, but they're like, I'm not, I don't know if I can put myself out like that and give you money. I don't hope you don't look in my direction. And how would you look at, uh, in defense of, let's say there's some, you know, wealthy black investor and they'll say, look, the mainstream institution has a longer track record or the, the manager has a longer track record. So my dollars are going to go with the manager with the longer track record. I'm not going to inject any cultural or racial priority uh, in terms of how I'm looking at my allocation to each their own. I don't, but I don't would judge you, that. Would you, you, you wouldn't judge I don't that. judge okay. that. No, I had the same kind of conversation with Wayne Sutton, who was a good friend yeah. of mine. And, and he, he kind of is on the other side of that. He thinks that it should be judged. He thinks there should be, you know, if you're black, you should be writing those checks and to black people. And, um, I, I say to each their own. I don't, I honestly don't like to spend too much time trying to convince somebody to roll. Yeah. I know in my heart of hearts that we are going to be successful here. And so I look at it more like, okay, you don't want to, you don't want to multiply, you have a chance of multiplying your money. Okay, fine. You know, yeah. um, I do think it's interesting just on a, on a philosophical side of things. I think it's interesting that we have very few black investors when there are so many who could and so yeah. many out there who could, even if they did it anonymously. Yeah. Like, Hey, you guys are talking a lot of this stuff, but I don't see any checks being written. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't, I can't right. speak for them, so I can't tell yeah. them why. I can't tell you why they're not, and I don't, I don't want to offend um, them be without having that conversation first. But what I can say is that it is odd to me that I have not been reached out to by more black investors to say, "Look, you're doing it. You know, here's here's some change. It doesn't have to be everything. Here's some change to keep you going. It's been more like I have to go into these rooms." And um, I feel I feel like I'm alone a lot of times when it comes to that. I don't feel alone when it comes to our founders and our and our team and and the community. But when it comes to like me having to think about the burden of all the expense, I do feel quite alone a lot of the time. What is your uh, target uh, annualized return uh, for your third flight? Um, so I I actually can't say that. Okay. Like I can't, I certainly can't say it publicly, and I actually can, can couldn't you say share it. a range. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I I'll do it more on cash on cash. Like mm. I, if you do, if we do three x, if we three x our funds over seven ten year period, 
we do better than 85% of all venture capital. I would like to outperform that. You mentioned in Miami um, that uh, Backstage was working on a study uh, evaluating endowment and pension money, grossly uh, neglecting, underestimated uh, founders uh, in terms of, you know, we don't really see mandates out there where, hey, you know, 2% of our money out of CalPERS or the Harvard endowment, Yale endowment, 2% of our VC money needs to make it, you know, to black founders. Right. You're working on that. Can you talk about that? Yes. I was approached by uh, a couple of people who work on these types of things in general, friends of mine. I'm not going to mention who just yet because I don't know our, uh, if they want to be outed yet. I, I, t- I tend to go to where, to the people who are already doing things. Like I don't try to, I don't try to like, I stay in my lane, even though I have several lanes stacked, <laughs> I do stay in my lane. So I was approached by by a couple of women who are doing it and they they you know they spend a lot of time talking you know and, and not even like i see it even more on the on the um on the pensions the pensions to me we're doing pensions pensions and endowments and the pensions to me are so interesting because there are so many uh people of color and women are putting money into to these i mean that's it's on their backs, basically, that that, that, that money is there. And they're supposed to be uh, m- making a profit for them, working for yeah. them. But then it doesn't get represented, you know, across all classes. So the idea is to take a lot of the research that has already been done and, and consolidate it, put it together, and make a case so that we can walk into uh, – we're starting, we're starting in California and, um, and uh, I believe Philadelphia, um, Pennsylvania – Walk into some of these places and say, "This is, this is the fa- these are the facts, and this is this can be this can be righted." Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> this can be made right, uh, just the same way that um, um, enough pressure made some of them get out of tobacco, and maybe we can do the opposite. Do you believe there's a lot of what I would call diversity activism? There's too much energy going into hey, you know, let's get some more black people in the, the pipeline. Let's get Google and Facebook to, to hire more black employees, but not enough at the endowment and pension level where a lot of money is flowing to back entrepreneurs through uh, institutions, venture capitalists. Uh, do you believe that too much emphasis is on this kind of employee stuff, but politically uh, we need more people active in, in terms of uh, questioning the pensions and endowments. And I believe that there's a, a public policy aspect to the, particularly the Ivy endowments where, you know, it's, it's essentially tax-free and there's a, there's a public policy consideration uh, where it's not just a hey, private, they can do their mm-hmm. own thing. I, I think, so your question was, do I believe there's too much on the, on the employee side and that there should be more emphasis on that? I, I would t- break those two apart because I don't agree completely. I, I, I think both. I don't think there's too much on the employee side because I don't think there will ever be enough until it's, there's parity. So I don't. But if you have 100 hours in a day and you have a team, yeah. what percentage of that time? That's a different question, though, yeah. because there are enough of us to do both. And people do to, other people do things very well, and that's why I spend my time doing on the venture side. My, my answer to you is that, and I've said this many times publicly, so I don't mind saying it, we have LPs that are from Facebook, we have LPs that are from these other companies. I don't care if Facebook becomes more diverse. Personally, 
I, I'm not I'm not looking for I'm not looking at that. I'm not trying to make Facebook better. I'm not trying to make Google better. I'm trying to enable um, help enable black and brown people to do their own, to have their own culture, to have their to create from the beginning, from scratch, and and to create legacy. I'm not I it's just not my interest to care about the DNI efforts at Google. That's not where my effort is going. I do, I, I do think that both need to be happening at the same time, though, because there, you know, there are a lot of people who are not going to start companies. They're going to be working at companies. Do you think about and question whether it's progressive for black people to want to push more of our best into uh, institutions such as Facebook mm-hmm. in terms of their values mm-hmm. and, you know, the, in, in my view, extreme uh, focus on greed and making money, mm-hmm. uh, that culturally, do we want people even, you know, having to work their way up into yeah. an institution yeah. like that? I think about that all the time. Yeah. I think about it all the time. I don't have the answer for that because my answer internally changes from day to day. Um, not that I'm, you know, don't have a strong opinion. It's just that I have both opinions of it. I, I look at the m- micro and the macro, because I'm looking at and when you look at both at the same time, it's hard to to say which one is more important. Like I'm looking at my impact and my legacy being about generational wealth and us being able to, in 50 years, look back and say, you know, our pictures are on the, hanging on the walls at these banks and our, you know, the the banks that we've created and the and the institutions we've created. That is what I'm interested in every day. But at the same time, if a black woman can not only pay her bills and pay for any of her any family needs, but can shine and can do six figures by leveraging her talent and skill that she that she worked very hard to acquire at a Facebook, I don't know if it's I don't know if I if I have it in me to say that she shouldn't be on that track. You know, I, yeah. I, and I'll tell you an example of where that question happens all the time for me is Uber. Like, uh, I have not met Bozima. Like, I haven't met her, but she's a powerhouse. She's very, very talented. And I feel like she's too good for Uber. I, I, you know what I mean? I feel like I want to root for her, but I don't want to root for Uber. So yeah. I, I feel like she's too good. Like they are, they are the only ones benefiting from that. In my opinion, she yeah. can tell me, please f- come find me and tell me I'm wrong. But um, kind of like Black Panther and Disney. Well, that's your yeah. You we had that conversation. Yeah. You you, and so and that's why I said both. I said both yeah. at the time. You want to explain what that what we were talking about? Your take on it was you know, it's all well and good, but the people that are going to be making the most money and getting the most benefit from it will be white men Correct. at the studios. Yeah. And then I countered that by saying, but also enjoy yourself in the theater and you know Wakanda forever. Basically. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, very consistent. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I see both sides of it. Yeah. And I I don't think meaning meaning that you're not you're rooting for her at Uber. Uh I'm rooting for her. You're for long her. her and short Uber. That's yeah, it. That's essentially. it. Essentially. That's uh, it. Yeah. And in an ideal world, she would be at a place like backstage where the proportionally the returns on her talent uh and her leadership is closer, you know, in terms of impacting people who look like 
Yeah, and not only not only that, I'm not trying to say what she's doing is not impactful because she probably can uh, affect change. I no, see, but, I've but, seen but it definitely happen. she's you know she's definitely uh, making a uh, I think a, a big impact. Yeah. But you know that impact most likely you know is going to commercial you know a lot of different areas. But you know what would happen if the impact that our that our talent generates, uh, such as Black Power, the billion dollars. Uh, the revenue doesn't go to Disney. Black the Panther, revenue goes yeah. to you know something that looks like backstage. Yeah, I mean th- that yeah. would be great. Or some that wasn't us. You know, take myself <laughs> out of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm yeah. T- being a, uh, objective. And I, I'm I'm not. So that's where I have the the challenge with something like that. Just to kind of close the loop on that. I'm not saying that what she is, is doing is not is not right or is not um, respectable. What I'm saying is, I feel like. I, so you, know, you know what, actually what I'm doing right now is doing the same thing to her that people have done to me in the past, so I should probably stop because she knows what she's doing. Yeah, we're, yeah. She, yeah. She's, she knows what she's doing. She knows what's right for her. And all I'm saying is just like, I thought Obama was too good for presidency. I think Oprah's too good for the presidency. And I think she's probably too good for Uber. That's all I'm saying. All right. While we're on the presidency, uh, Tamika Mallory, you know, she has been an activist with the uh, Women's uh, March on gender equality, racial uh, equality. Uh, She's been going hard uh, across the board. She's being attacked by Fox News, Jake Mm. Tapper on CNN. She has been fighting for women across the board, Mm. right? There hasn't been an issue with her leadership and and activism, but recently she attended uh, Savior's Day in Chicago, listening to uh, Minister Farrakhan, and Mm -hmm. I guess someone surfaced a picture of her with Minister Farrakhan. They've also attacked black congressman uh, Keith Ellison, where a picture surfaced uh, that uh, with him and uh, Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. Do you believe black leaders should be pressured to denounce Farrakhan? Um, I do remember seeing this story. Tell me the one thing that he. Um, so that they're saying. Yeah. So, so so one of the the, the media. I think uh, takes a lot of uh, the statements. I think out of context, but. Uh, the particular statement that Jake Tapper uh, is really focused on is, uh, hey, there's there's good Jews uh, and there's, in Farrakhan's words, satanic Jews. And a so lot he of said this? Farrakhan. Okay. He said this in, in Chicago at the event. Okay. He, he said that there's, there's good Jews and there's, there's satanic Jews. And the satanic Jews who hold powerful positions are... Leading, I think, America into hell. I don't have the verbatim mm-hmm. words, uh, but essentially, the media really rallied around that he used satanic Jews. Mm-hmm. But he also said there's good Jews. Okay. Uh, and he always, at least in my experience when I listen to him, he's very critical of black people. There's bad black people and there's good black people. Uh, there's evil black people. There's devilish black people and there's good black people. Mm-hmm. I believe he's been uh, pretty consistent on that. But do you believe? When the media goes to a black leader, they should denounce Farrakhan for these type of that type of language. Do I believe when the media goes to black yeah, people so, so that they're, they're going the black to leaders. yeah they're going to black person one, black person two? Why aren't you denouncing this leader in your community? We need you to denounce him. You got you got to, you guys are talking about all this other racism, but you go ahead and clean your house. I think so. I'm going to start by saying that I don't know enough about this, and okay. I'm not. I don't feel comfortable enough to speak completely on him if that's if we don't have the exact quote. Yeah. But I am someone who 
definitely believes uh, that people should be should be held accountable for things. If I would denounce him saying they're devilish Jews, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to stand next to that. But what about just like what you know about him in terms of media reports? I really don't know much about him. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to learn right yeah. now. I mean, I have the time. I, I'm happy to learn. I just don't know enough about that in particular. But I, in general. But the idea, do you have a problem, just the, just the way I, I, I framed it, where it's, it's not really, for me, it's not about what Farrakhan says. It's more about elites in America going to the people on the bottom uh, who are suffering who are facing a lot of racism, oppression, exploitation. And say, you got to speak for this dude. Okay? Yeah, this guy over there, he, he's yeah. getting loud and he's saying yeah. some controversial things. Yeah. You you poor people, you oppress people, you guys better shut yeah. that guy up. You guys better denounce him, get away from him. I I, I see what you're saying. Um, I think where the, the, the gray line is, the gray area is, is that if she, atten- she attended this and whether, a picture is one thing, but if she if she says, amen, that's what, I'm, what I feel too, then that's when there's the question. But on, if, that, on that particular, on that particular issue, issue yeah. yeah, I, if I were, if I were, I do believe it's about your the company you keep. But at the same time, if I were being held accountable for everybody that was, I was ever taken a picture, had a picture taken with, or that I ever uh, liked a tweet, or that ever even was on my LP uh, list, I would, I would spend the rest of my life having to defend these people. Yeah, I never heard of the media going to people to condemn all the people who were at Trump's inauguration. Yeah. I never heard yeah. anybody yeah. being asked. Because you go to the Trump inauguration, you should, yeah. hey, go denounce that person. Who well, f- Fox News is like But this is dumpster CNN. Fire. Jake Tapper's on oh, CNN. Oh, CNN. Yeah, yeah. He's going, and Twitter, he's going super hard on this issue. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's his uh, problem? I think he wants to, to be looked at as, hey, I'm not on either I'm side. I'm in the middle. Yeah, I'm fair and balanced. Like, I'll, I'll get at these people over here and I'll get at the people with who really have the power. Mm, that's um, interesting. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tight rope that he's walking. That doesn't work. That's not going to end well for him. I'm going to ask you a few quotes out of the Silicon Valley establishment. Uh, the first quote is from John Doerr. He's speaking about his experience with successful entrepreneurs. That correlates more with any other success factor that I've seen in the world's greatest entrepreneurs. If you look at Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, our Netscape founder, Mark Andreessen, uh, Yahoo co-founder, David Philo, the founders of Google. They all seem to be white male nerds who've dropped out of Harvard or Stanford and they absolutely have no social life. We hear this talk about pattern matching and this that's how kind of the VC game works. What's your response to influential figure like that saying those words? Oh, well, internally I cussed them out <laughs> when, I, when you read that. Internally I was cussing him out. I won't do that just because I don't like to curse too much. Um, that's well, I will say it's bullshit, and I, I guess I just uh, contradicted myself. But it's it's so dangerous and it's so irresponsible. But he, I don't hold this guy, this John Doerr, um, I don't hold him up to any standard. I have no standards for him, so it doesn't it doesn't sadden me to hear him say that because I don't feel like he deserves much um, pr- of a pedestal to fall from. Do you believe that quote is a contradiction of the establishment saying we don't inject race in how we look at 
you know, absolutely, yeah, because that's yeah. what's really in their minds. That's what a lot of yeah, people's minds. Like he's, he's just speaking he's his just mind. Speak, he's like, trumping it. Yeah. He's just saying what everybody around him is, has been thinking, and what he's you know he doesn't know what's supposed to be inner monologue and what's not. The second quote is coming from Sequoia Capital's uh, Michael Moritz, uh, who's also a power player, uh, who has been a, a power player in the Silicon Valley establishment. We are gender blind, race blind, everything blind. I like to think and genuinely believe that we are blind to somebody's sex, to their religion, to their background. We probably have more different nationalities working at Sequoia. It's a, it's, it's a very cosmopolitan setting. The fact that we've embraced China embraced India, operated in Israel for a long time. This is, of course, him saying that from his perspective, or from his bubble, we don't see any of that stuff you guys are talking about. We're yeah. fair. Right. Uh, and then he goes on. He's being interviewed by Bloomberg's Emily Chang. She talks about, you know, what's up with female partners at the firm. He responds, we'll hire women. We just don't want to lower our standards. In fact, we just hired a young woman from Stanford who's very bit as good as her peers. And if there are more like her, we'll hire them. What we're not prepared to do is to lower our standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that before. Okay. Um, and I've actually seen him speak, and he that's how he talks. Like, he... <laughs> people like that are, are not going to be, in my opinion, are not going to have some um, come-to-Jesus moment where they get it where they all of a sudden they've changed their thinking. This is how he thinks. He thinks from his perspective that he is doing someone a favor if they are not a white male that's affluent, a, a, a by the way. He would, he would do the same thing to someone who was a poor white male. Um, he thinks he's doing them a favor by, by simply letting them breathe the same air as him. And um, again, I, my reaction is to start backstage. That's my reaction. Yeah, it, that it's it's. Like I'm not, you're, you're not here to be complaining and criticizing. You're yeah. going out there to do the thing. Yeah, and yeah. I I will talk about it all all day because I like to dissect things and and, and analyze things. Um, but that to me is all that is fuel because it's so blatant, it's so obvious, it's so uh, ridiculous and absurd and. I want us to be the counter of that. Like the, we, this is, that is to me a, a disease and we are the, the uh, antidote. Uh, next quote is from a Silicon Valley legend. Many would argue uh, he could be one of the most powerful leaders in Silicon Valley. He's also on the board of Facebook, mm-hmm. um, Netscape co-founder. So, you know, he put out a tweet in 2016 after India rejected uh, Facebook's, I guess, application for free basics, mm-hmm. uh, where Facebook wanted to come in and kind of control where the Indians getting free in- internet could go. India pushed back, denied Facebook's uh, application. And here's Mark Andreessen's uh, response. This is in uh, February of uh, 16. Anti-colonialism has been economically catastrophic for the Indian people for decades. Why stop now? Uh, Many, including myself, um, saw this as a pro-white supremacy, pro-colonialism position Hmm. where the colonialists, Facebook, they want to come in they want to control what type of content people can access in India. And India said, no, we're not letting you guys in. Yes. You know, so 
Rightly so. Yeah, so, so, so how would you respond to that? And, and by the way, uh, Mark has uh, invested in Backstage. He has. He's an LP in all three of our funds. Um, and that, I'm going to be really honest with you because I always am. Um, when that happened in 2016, I don't think I understood it as much as I probably should have. I don't think I understood what he was saying and what and how dangerous that was uh, was as well. Um, this is a, this is a case where I do I do email back and forth with Mark. I, I do consider him um, not not a friend. We're not you know we don't do Thanksgiving dinners together, but I consider him someone I can reach out to and he'll get back to me within 24 hours. And um, so it is. I don't agree with his statement. I, I denounce his statement. I think that it is um, abhorrent what he said. Now that I understand it completely, and I, yeah, that's how I respond to that particular question. Happy to delve in deeper too. So Peter Dill, uh, another uh, member of uh, the Silicon Valley establishment and mafia, you know, here's a guy who wrote a book uh, when he was a student at Stanford, essentially attacking uh, affirmative action, multiculturalism, big Trump supporter, some of you uh, may uh, note Dill as being the person who financed uh, Hawk Hogan after Gawker Media exposed Hawk Hogan uh, for making racial comments. Uh, Peter Dill financed uh, Hawk Hogan's uh, litigation against Gawker Media. Uh, they worked together to shut down the, the business. It was Gawker. actually over a sex tape. The actual lawsuit was over a sex tape. He, correct. In addition the, the to that. Yeah, he, yeah, correct. The, yeah. The, the lawsuit was over a sex tape, but Gawker also, yes. at least there, I believe that there's there's the stuff on the back end uh, that, that that drove a lot of this stuff. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we yeah. just want to be clear that okay. we're saying that, that that's how it happened. True. Yeah. Correct. So Hawk Hogan, Gawker has a tape, a sex tape, but I believe before that, uh, Hawk Hogan was outed for making racial comments about his daughter Brooke's boyfriend. That's right. Also, Gawker uh, is one of the few publications that exposed hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of losses at Peter Thiel's Clarium Capital, a hedge fund that no longer exists because of the poor performance, and Gawker gave Peter Thiel a very, very hard time. Mainstream media did not. So the narrative is Gawker outed Peter Thiel as being gay, and that's the driver of the lawsuit. I believe uh, most likely Peter Thiel did not appreciate Gawker's coverage of his performance at Clarion Capital. So he's on Facebook's board. Uh, until recently, Facebook's board was all white. This is... Mark Zuckerberg defending Peter Thiel. And I personally believe that if you want to have a company that is committed to diversity, you need to be committed to all kinds of diversity, including ideological diversity. I think the folks who are saying we shouldn't have someone on our board because they're Republican, I think that's crazy. I think you need to have all kinds of diversity if you want to make progress together as a society. Do you have any... Uh, <laughs> What's your reaction? Do you to know something anything like about that? my history with Peter Thiel? No, I do not. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm ignorant on that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we have enough time on here to talk about it, but I am not a fan, Peters, and. But let's focus on Mark. Okay, sure. So, so, so Mark backing Peter Thiel and explaining 
hey, stop. You guys stop voicing your concerns about who we have on our board. Peter Thiel is here because he has... Diversity of thought. Diversity of thought. Yeah. Cognitive diversity. I mean, so my reaction to that in particular. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg is... I don't know him, never talked to him. Um, I think he's done a lot of really interesting and great things for the world. I do. I do. I think that he's also a privileged dude who right out of college became a billionaire and the people around him to help that make that happen are going to be his best buddies until they're not like unless they're not he's very uh, black and white binary kind of person which is interesting too um i don't it's the same thing like all these people that you're quoting are just not in i don't think that they i don't relate to them and i don't think they relate to many other people it is a it is a bubble it doesn't hurt Mark Zuckerberg to, it doesn't affect him in a negative way to back Peter Thiel. So it doesn't hurt anybody that he cares about. And so there's no risk for him. The, the, these people uh, uh, made him who he, who he is. Yep. When I, when I listen to Sheryl Sandberg on uh, Bloomberg and, on other outlets, uh, she says women and minorities. She's like, hey, we're doing this for women and minorities. Uh, hey, you know, we need to improve uh, with women and minorities. Just when a white executive like that says women and minorities, is you think that's if the effective way to communicate what they're trying to address? Be more specific. Should black people who are descendants of slaves, uh, you know, we have a unique history in the United States. Should we be lumped in to I see. women and minorities or should we be given priority because our experience is different than all these other categories? I see. Um, that's another one of those that could be both to me mm -hmm. because if, if it's anybody who's not straight white male, you know, because uh, I've been asked that question about uh, the LGBTQ part of what I do. Should they even be, because uh, you can't compare being gay to being black. You can you can pass as straight. You can't pass as not black. You know, I've had that argument too. So I'm, I'm kind of, this intersectionality for me is is real. And as a woman, I, I can't just say that no, it shouldn't be lumped together. Because um, I, I don't but know if like I can go there. Women and minorities, do you hear black people in there? Do you, how how loud how loud is the black in there? When when, when a person like Sheryl Sandberg says women and minorities, well, I feel like when she says it and she's saying minorities, she means black people. Hmm. I don't like. I personally don't even like the word minorities. I don't like when people say blacks with the s on the end. I don't like. I don't like. <laughs> I can't yeah. stand it. It yeah. makes my skin crawl to hear someone say all the blacks in the room or blacks love me or all, I, it just makes me want to jump into an, a freezing ocean. Based on the the history. Uh, in the United States, should white, powerful white executives out of Silicon Valley, should they call out black specifically? Or do you think it's just more efficient, you know, hey, you know, we got to reach everybody. We can't call you guys out anymore. You guys are not really a priority, and it's all about everybody. I mean, if we're talking about shoulds, then sure. You know what I mean? Like, if we're talking about shoulds, there's a lot of things they should be doing. They shouldn't even be sitting up there talking. They should have said, let's go find a black woman who's sitting in my place and talk. There's a lot of shoulds. I think 
the reality is for a few more years, it's going to be women and minorities. That's going to be the, the, the angle because they're checking off a mark. It's, it's, it is an HR category. The word diversity, at least to me, is very, very ambiguous now. Black people who are fighting for economic justice, mm. should those people be using the word diversity based on how it's mm. been weaponized mm-hmm. and, and used? Mm. Um... So that's probably something I'll want to think about more before answering uh, definitively. But I will say kind of probably as a, as a wrap-up, I'll tell you that I made a statement that I will not do any more diversity and inclusion panels or, or firesides or talks in, starting in 2019. Um, that's all I'm invited to, and I won't do it starting January 1st. So I I don't know if... I don't know if the word should be used by, by black people. I don't know, honestly. I haven't had yep. enough time to think about it, but I do know that I'm I'm at the end of my um, bandwidth on... Doing diversity uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like... Don't put me in that box. Well, I also feel like how... how I said that... I can't remember I said this, but it, it was very... I think it was in London. I, I was just... I, I was like done you know because yeah. we had this quite i was just done i was like how much longer do women of color have to sp- have to spend all of our time explaining ourselves to other people when, when do we get to participate when do we get to just be and just do you know for, that is that is the the sum of of how i feel about it I, it's, it's not just me that I'm saying. It's, it's kind of a symbolic thing for not doing these diversities. I, don't, I won't judge someone else who does it. That's not all day. But I, I am tired of being wheeled into a place and like in a, in a barrel and dumped on stage and you fix it. Fix it for us. You, you black women fix this for us, or you black people fix this diversity problem for us with this hour, this day of programming that we've sponsored with our big logo behind us. We'll take a few pictures, and then we won't do anything that you said. We won't put any money behind it. We won't you know, rate, rise up, raise up anyone. That doesn't happen 100% of the time, but it happens majority of the time. So I'm done with that. I'm over here. I'm trying to make some money for me and for mine. That's it. A big thanks to Arlen Hamilton, uh, the founder and CEO of Backstage Capital. We really appreciate her coming on the show here in Austin at South by Southwest. Let's go.